It's snowing in April. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Fucking sucks. I hate all this shit. That's right. We're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about chapter 105, Folk Heroes, by Devin Turner, directed by Gabriel Coria. I have two blankets on right now. (laughs) And my, like, hoodie hood's up. Well, everyone knows you're a naturally frigid person. It's so cold. I don't like it. Somebody in our episode tonight has a very different problem. I want to be them. Like most episodes, this opens with Jughead telling us things. Narrating, you might say. Yes, that's what I was saying. Talking about folk heroes and how they are symbols of courage for the oppressed. Born from baseball fields or comic books. And then we see a whole bunch of posters of people. Like Rosa Parks and... Mm-hmm. And Paul Bunyan. And Paul Bunyan and Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> Together at last. <laughs> what the fuck goes on about how Riverdale you know, is being threatened by a villain and what they need is a modern day folk hero. He's got to be proud. He's got to be strong. He's got to be fresh for the fight. I want someone to just misinterpret what he's saying and yeah. be like, doodly doo with my little doodly doo banjo. That's what we want. Like a folk artist. <laughs> right? A little doodly doo. A folk singer. Yeah. 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 A, a singer songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, wrong one. Uh, season six musical episode, Hades Town. Count on it. I mean, they would literally go to hell, and it would <laughs> not be the weirdest thing to happen on the show. There would be a mine. Remember when Sabrina had a battle of the bands in hell at the bottom of a mine? Yeah, like, yeah. come on, it's it's the same thing. It's not that weird. <laughs> you know, obviously he's talking about Percival here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, Percival goes to Veronica and uh, is definitely, like, brainwashing the shit out of her. Is he? Because we finally see him actively brainwashing people and there's an effect to it. And that does not come up. I I feel like in this scene, mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. like not their first interaction. He's giving her the soft touch that doesn't require the echo and reverb. Yeah, because he's okay. already done that. Okay. And what he wants to do is, uh, you know, take up residence in one of her champagne suites. Because that makes sense for rent. So he's spent all this time in town. Mm-hmm. And he still doesn't have a place to live? Nope. Why didn't he get on the homeless bus? Fuck you. Get out of here. I don't think you're allowed to actually sit on a town council if you don't have an address. And he doesn't want a house. He wants to rent one of, I can only imagine it's three at most, hotel rooms that are operating out of Babylonium. Uh, and he's like, yeah, so I want to live there. Um, it'll, you know, I, it'll be nice, especially as I, uh, you know, refocus my endeavor since I've stepped down as deputy to open up a curiosity shop. <laughs> this means he's going to have a shop with a bunch of jars of people. So, okay, Riverdale is going to be a new seat, like the, the inland Atlantic City, right? So you mm-hmm. go, you go to the family-friendly casino, you go antiquing at the Pickens shop. Mm-hmm. It's all coming together. But police deputy isn't the only job of Kevin's that he can do better than Kevin oh, has. Oh, yeah. He also wants to be the lounge singer for Babylonium. 
Yeah, because he's much better at that. And, you know, he's sung at places like the Moulin Rouge. The Sydney Opera House. The goddamn Sydney Opera House. And the ladies think he's fine. <laughs> Not to brag, but the ladies love me. Do they love you? And confidentially, some of the men. <laughs> this dude. <laughs> this fucking dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so meanwhile... Britta is uh, going to be moving back with her family because after they heard that uh, Cheryl was going to adopt her, they had a change of heart and have decided to accept her Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. she is. What's worse, having a lesbian daughter or losing a lesbian daughter to the the Blossom Coven? They just decided that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have a, a nice hug, and Cheryl's like, you know, you'll have a home here anytime, you're always welcome, and I guess this means there's no more football team, because we're not going to see Britta ever again. <laughs> or maybe it means there will be a football team, because she's not getting private tutoring anymore. She's going to go back to public school in time for football season. Maybe. Maybe. Do you think that maybe she just wrote her family a letter that was like, yo, I think I'm in a cult. <laughs> it seems Maybe really a coven? clear I'm in a cult. Like, they have so, a hay room. Mom, dad, there's a hay room. I like, fear the hay room. Like, can we work through my lesbianism and it just, <laughs> like, it'd be okay? Because, like, I might be eaten alive here. Like, literally. I think I might be fed to the gnome in the basement. There's a pioneer ghost living inside a doll. And it changed the shape of the porcelain. I was possessed for a while. <laughs> um, I kind of like to come home. Mom, Dad, I'm a dreamwalker. No big deal. <laughs> uh, so we uh, have to, of course, like all things, go to a town hall meeting. <laughs> The most civic-minded town in all of America. This is not the only town hall meeting. Of course not, because Percival Pickens has a proposal that comes with a peck of pickled peppers. But uh, it's actually a parks proposal. Yes. I didn't mean to spit in your face. No, you're fine. You didn't spit in my face. My eye was itchy. See, see, here's the thing that sucks right now, because it's April, and it's fucking snowing. So not only is it cold, but I have spring allergies. (laughs) If it's snowing, there should not be spring allergies. It's one or the other. So Percival Pickens packed himself a a two-prong park proposal. Uh, And he unveils plans for the new Pickens Park or it's mm-hmm. not new, it's existed, but, like, it's been... The, the revitalization. Yeah. And the landscaping plans, the, like, park architecture, the parkitecture looks lovely. It's it's a mm-hmm. fine, modern English garden. But the sticking point is rededicating and recasting the poor, decapitated statue of General Pickens himself. Tabitha's not having this shit. She's like, oh, hold up. Oh, there's, you... <laughs> there's a reason. You mean Mr. Genocide? <laughs> And and Archie speaks for the whole collected populace when he's like, yeah, we learned what a murderous freak he was back in high school. Percival's just like, oh, well, we'll, we'll revisit this later. Um, so right now, let's talk about the new town sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is being redesigned and was approved by a majority of the town council, a.k.a. everyone but Tabitha. 
it's now going to say, uh, you can't stop progress while also removing anything about home of Pop's chocolate shop. And the stuff about Pep. I like a good peppy town, but we that's been gone for a while. And, and this is just, this is not good. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, as we know, the sign is how you know it's the real Riverdale. <laughs> it's a very important sign, actually. A lot of narrative weight on that sign. Uh, so after the meeting, everyone's filing out and... and uh, Tabitha and Percival find one another, and this is where Percival starts his big plan for the week, pitting the small business owners of Riverdale against one another. Yes. He's all like, oh, well, there's only enough room on that highway for two billboards, mm-hmm. so obviously you have to go head-to-head for them, for your casino or pops. It's a fucking highway. Yeah. What do you mean you only have space for two fucking billboards? No one brings up the idea of just rezoning it. Apparently the two billboard limit is a zoning issue and the town sign counts as one of the billboards. I don't think that's how it works. All we have to do is like a little one-line resolution that redefines the town sign as not a billboard and the problem is solved. Also, like, the lonely highway is lonely. Yes, it's a bunch of trees. I'm pretty sure you could decide you to can, have another billboard. You can make it the friendly highway, friendly with all the advertisements. Yeah. Do some Burma shave stuff. Get have fun with it. Yeah, there you go. So after after that, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Archie, Bet- Betty, and Jughead are together. The super crew is together because Jughead has been doing research on mind powers yes. and defense against them. <laughs> yes. And what you need to do is you need to have an anchor. Yes. Something that anchors you so you don't get lost in the mind control. A guiding, like, purpose or or a, a central point for you to focus on to, to, like, maintain your core self. Yeah. And they're like, okay, that's cool. So that will help us. But what about, like, everyone else that's already been brainwashed? And Jughead's like, oh... Basically, I got a plan for this, and what we need to do is remind them of their values, which means, Archie, we need you because you're the closest thing we have to a folk hero. Yeah, the the plan is to just build up Archie as a a legendary figure for the modern age uh, in order to inspire everyone as a guiding light of of progress, but the good kind of progress. (laughs) And Betty's just like... We can't just decide Archie's a folk hero. And Jughead's like, yeah, we can. (laughs) His name is on the cover of all the comics. It's going to be fine. Come on. Uh, Jughead's also curious to know if Archie is still in touch with K.O. Kelly, because he's going to be very important to this plan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's going to be so important to this plan. He has four whole lines. Yep. Meanwhile, uh, Cheryl is standing guard over Abigail the doll. Yeah, they're all taking turns keeping watch. Gotta make sure it doesn't escape. And now the Brit is left. Uh, those are 12-hour shifts, I, I guess. Yes. she She's all like, you know, stare all you want, Abigail. You will never get out of that porcelain cage and into my beautiful body again. That's what I say to a certain variety of uh, accoutrement in the shelves, but... My beautiful body, not yours. <laughs> Mine. Uh, but then Cheryl's like, man, it's kind of warm in here. And then her book catches fire. Yes. And then she wakes up screaming. 
Well, because also her whole body catches fire. Oh, yeah, fire. I forgot. And then she catches fire, like all of her. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she wakes up screaming. Yeah, I win. I identified correctly that was Cheryl in the trailer. I'm just saying the lighting made it look like she was a blonde. I'm just saying it was Cheryl's face. It's hard to tell. They're cousins. <laughs> They're actually 100% related cousins. So then it's time for another town hall meeting. But not really, because Archie interrupts it and he's like, yo, as of today, you can't meet here anymore. I'm reopening the El Royale and it's no longer your town hall meeting's place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because apparently the only thing uh, on the agenda for this meeting, at least from this, appointment, uh, from this announcement forward, is that the El Royale is being rebranded as a boxing gym for youths. Combining its previous purposes as a boxing gym for athletes and a youth center. And this this reopening is going to combine two of Archie's passions. Beating people up and kids. (laughs) He said physical fitness. Yeah. And then a really long description of children. Yeah. But I love that one of my passions, physical fitness. I don't think children really need a long description. They're like the people that are shorter and younger. There, (laughs) I nailed it. It took them long time to say kids. <laughs> Percival's all like, huh, how's this place going to inspire anyone? It's dirty. This Why is- are you holding your meetings in a filth hole, Percival? I, I'm like, oh, then I'm sorry this place isn't good enough for the children or your town hall meetings. Good thing I'm kicking you out. Go find something else, dude. <laughs> but Jughead's like, oh, well, it's going to inspire people because the Guinness Book of World Records is coming. How much... How much did Guinness, you know, Beer Co. have to pay the show to not have to not have this pl- uh, plot revolve around like the Bimbus Book of Records or whatever? I'm I want to say not much because no <laughs> one cares about the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, but wouldn't you love it if it was the Bimbus Book? <laughs> this episode would be called Bimbus Book. Yeah, Jughead's all like. I don't know, Thursday, whatever day. Like, come back here and cheer on Archie Andrews, man of iron, as Guinness is here. Yeah. In order to adjudicate his claim to being the world's toughest man. Yes. Yes. Seems like a hard thing to judge. Like, what's your criteria? That's that's for the adjudicator to decide, I and guess. boy, will he. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Nana is taking uh, Cheryl's temperature, mm-hmm, and she mm-hmm. is burning up with fever. Get thee back to bed, child. And Cheryl wants to be cared for by her dearest Nana, but Nana is not available because, quote, I must keep vigil over the doll. She's like, I- I'm not taking care of you, but we'll get you a night nurse. And oh boy, does she. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Frank, Alice, and Percival are now having another town hall meeting, but like... Off-site, because, you know, they've been kicked out. It's just private council of four business in the Cooper living room, where they are judging these two ad pitches for the one available billboard on the Lonely Highway. Yes. And the meeting goes exactly how you'd expect. Uh, uh, The Babylonian sign is big and flashy. Also, it's the one preferred by the mind control man, so that's all there is to that. Yeah. You know, he makes slight comments about Pops. Of course, of course. You know... Consigning it to the past, you yes. know, a, a pleasant little the bit legacy. of history. Tabitha's like, no, no, no. It is the present. It is the future. Mm-hmm. People got to eat their burgers and milkshakes. And this is very true. So back at the El Royale. 
it's uh, it's like a carnival atmosphere as people are are basically allowed to step right up and challenge the world's toughest man to a series of 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 brutal tests. Uh, so first he lays on a bed of nails, and they pile cinder blocks high upon his chest. And then that's when we see Mr. Guinness. Oh, and his itty bitty beard! He has a triangle beard. <laughs> I love his tiny little uh, uh, triangle goatee. It's so good. Um, and so he watches on then as Archie gets a mallet to his abs. He's a little American Poirot. Uh, and then Archie gets locked in a freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, and Percival's just not happy about all this. Yes, he's there and is constantly displeased. You know, it it goes well because. Uh, Jughead tells Archie that, you know, according to Mr. Guinness, uh, you are the strongest man. Now, Jughead actually does call this adjudicator Mr. Guinness, and I'm sure that's intended to be a nickname. But for our no, purposes, on Mr. this Guinness. program, it's, that's who he is. his legal God-given name is Mr. Guinness, the adjudicator for Guinness. Yes. This is this is when uh, Jughead fills Archie in on more of his plan that, yeah. you know, the statue of Archie is almost finished. And he's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> it's like, yeah, my old yeah. friend from New York's making a statue of you. Jughead, always been broke, also has enough change rattling around in the couch cushions to, to commission a larger-than-life bronze statue. Yes. <laughs> Just the materials alone. <laughs> like yeah well you know ko's agreed to fight you and this will be great then we'll have the statue for after you win and archie's like well hold up like how is this gonna work because like the plan is basically to reenact rocky but in real life yeah ko kelly has much like apollo creed knocked out everyone he's ever fought in his professional career ko kelly after the time skip on top of the world archie is, like, invincible, so he doesn't have to get knocked out and, like, lose that way. What he he needs to do is lose, but not be knocked out, and he still wins. All he has to do is, yes, survive to the end of the fight. KO is bound to win on the decision, so he still gets to keep his pride as an actual professional prize fighter, while Archie continues to prove he is the world's toughest man, taking a beating that no professional fighter has managed to do. It is a pretty good plan, actually. So, so meanwhile, uh, Tabitha and Tony are having a little chat. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. ever since the casino opened, a little business buddies heart to heart. That yeah, uh, Babylonium is eating both of their lunches, which is bad because Tabitha serves lunches. Tony's like, well, it makes sense. I'm losing my profit because like we both serve alcohol, but like you serve milkshakes. This doesn't make no sense. So they decide to go down to the casino together to like do some recon. But Uh, before we see it, we have to go check in in Thornhill. Yes. And we have to meet Cheryl's night nurse, Darius. Yes. The return of Darius, the night nurse. Oh, hello, Darius. The gigantic, huge, huge man, this man. Cheryl thanks him for watching over her hot body. Her literally hot body. Cheryl's words, not mine, to be clear. (laughs) So Tabitha and Tony go to the casino. In in movies and TV shows, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. going to a casino, you're all like dolled up. Like you go into the Oscars. What casino in real life is that, like, the actual situation? Because let me tell you, when I went to Vegas, 
That ain't how people looked. No, no. People look like they're going to Six Flags. Yes, with their, like, hiking sticks that you walk around, (laughs) like, Chicago with and your fanny pack. I'm like, what the... What? But they are greeted by... Okay, if you want to talk, like, fancy stuff... In, like, old-timey things where there would be cigarette girls walking around with a little tray, and they'd have, like, yes, your your cigarettes and your pipe tobacco and mints and all sorts of little things for a quarter. What they got for you is sliders, tater tots, pigs in a blanket. (laughs) And these are on the house. No quarters necessary. There's also liquor-infused milkshakes. (laughs) in the world would go to a casino and trust them for dairy-based cocktails. I wouldn't. That's something you get made to order, not just walking around on a train, like, you freak. How long? You absolute well, freak. Frozen dairy specific. Like, how long has that been? <laughs> and here's the thing is, Tabitha's like, what the fuck? They're, like, selling diner food. What diner has pigs in a blanket? <laughs> my question i was like i did not think pigs in a blanket was like a diner food yeah i've never seen it on a menu anywhere but maybe like a sports bar with their appetizers yeah, exactly they're they're serving they're, they're not serving diner food they're serving football party food yeah they're sliders it's not a burger like that's that's they just need some wings in there like <laughs> and so then they look over and there's percival singing he's singing my funny valentine The easiest song to sing and sound good. It's one of the reasons that song is so fantastic. But still. Yeah. I could be a lounge singer if you only had to do one song and that could be my song. That could be your song. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell everybody that is my song. That is totally what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope you don't mind that I read your mind. So uh, over at Thornhill, uh, Darius has made Cheryl feel a lot cooler. And as she's, like, waking up, because she's like, oh, man, I feel so much better. She looks cool over. Cool and refreshed. To, like, compliment him on feeling cool. And all she sees is his feet with a whole bunch of charred remains. So, again, I'm unstoppable. Two for two on our disagreements in last week's trailer. Those were indeed nurse shoes. But they're, like, nice nurse shoes. <laughs> they are shoes worn by a nurse. Yeah, but, I when, win. I, but when I think nurse shoes... There's two things. When you're talking white nurse sh- shoes, you usually think those, like, sneakers or, like, those tent shoes that, like, you would see, like, older-timey nurses wear. Mm-hmm. Or you, nowadays you think of, like, the clogs, right? But that's not. We said <laughs> they were They were said they were white. Well, there's Crocs, but then there's the clogs. Okay. Okay, but we said they were white. So that's, yes. like, old-timey nursey shoes. These are nice nursey shoes. These are like, I'm going to go clubbing after my shift nurse shoes. He's not dressed for that. At least not from the ankles up. No, not the rest of him. But he only wanted to bring one pair of shoes. Especially now that he's been insta-cremated from the ankles he up. He didn't want to bring multiple pairs of shoes to work with him. He could take bring a change of clothes, but not shoes. So back at the El Royale, Archie is meeting well, K.O. Well, Kelly. Well, we're, not, we're not done yet. Okay. So Cheryl rushes to Nana Rose to tell her all this. And Nana's like, well, the doll didn't blink. So obviously <laughs> he's fine. I don't know what you're talking about, child. And she's like, uh-uh. Burn to a crisp. What bedevilment is this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just like that Nana's like, what? You're wrong. The doll <laughs> didn't move. It, it, you're wrong. 
So yes, over at the El Royale, uh, K.O. and Archie are chatting, and K.O.'s like, hey, where's the ring? And Archie's like, I'm going to set it up today. I thought you might want to help. And he's like, no. It's a very Archie Andrews move to book a fight with, again, like a fucking heavyweight champion and not actually have a ring set up for him. (laughs) Oh, it's on the to-do list, obviously. And just assume he's going to (laughs) help? He's like, no, I'm going to go to the casino, dude. Like, what the fuck? This was a carnival like three hours ago. I get it. I get it. But still. Uh, so Cheryl has called Betty over to Mm -hmm. help her with this mystery. And she identifies that, yes, indeed, this was a human body a little while ago. There's bone chips in this pile of dust. And so she's like, "Mm, I'm going to take this to Dr. Curdle Jr. Get a shop vac or something. Do you have a broom? (laughs) A little little dustpan? And like the cat runs through. That wasn't really a vacuum noise. That was more of a milkshake noise. Yeah, you were like slurping it. I don't think that's what Dr. Curdle Jr. is going to do. That's his diagnostic uh, process. Yeah. Well, he really likes his milkshakes to be kind of chalky. It was a very weird order he made when he saw uh, Josie and the Pussycats down at the White Worm. I just need to remember that. How much of a super fan he is all the time. Uh, Tabitha and Tony are at Pops coming up with a plan to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tackle the casino. And it starts with them sort of like lamenting what happened, you know, that a good close friend of theirs like Veronica would do this. Was Veronica ever your friend? Either of you? Uh, kind of. Kind of. At times. But it hasn't been around much lately. They're both way closer to the other three main characters. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think Tony and Veronica, though, more so yes. Let's remember Tabitha, not until the time skip. So, (laughs) yeah. So what they decide to do is that they're going to install some gambling in the White Worm. And nothing is sadder than slot machines at a 24-hour diner. That's depressing. Nothing's worse than slot machines at a bar in the basement of a 24-hour diner. (laughs) At least it would fit with the decor. Like, this is what a gambling-based economy does. Don't, just don't do it. Just don't do it. Uh, And Tabitha's like, oh, I'll apply for a liquor license. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we can serve alcohol. It'll be great. And they also both commit to, like, reinvigorating the the live stage shows downstairs that seem to come and go with the tides. Uh, Tony has the idea of um, bringing back the old tradition of the serpent dance. (laughs) The saddest floor show in the history of the world. I guess maybe that's why it's being reinvented. Maybe they could just get a lot of snakes. <laughs> They've like, done snakes before. The old white worm really got along with just having like snakes everywhere. <laughs> just get some pets. People like animals. You could even just get a dog and call it snake. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a cat. Have a bar cat. You can get an Oscar Isaac and call him snake. Ooh. Yeah. Do that. Melgar Solid, the movie, coming eventually. That's what they say. Him. I still don't believe them. Just pet him. Pet your, pet your little snake. <sighs> Feels good. <laughs> your fingertips going through my hair. His beard. Please, watch out for the headband. <laughs> if it falls off, I no longer have infinite ammo. 
I need it to happen so I know what Oscar Isaac sounds like trying to do that. <laughs> Otacon. I just, I need it. <laughs> I, I want to know. And then you have Percival Pickens shouting, Brother! <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Percival goes to Veronica, and he's like, hey, I think we should have a more robust relationship, and I should become an investor in the casino. Yeah, yeah, he eventually gets to investor, but it starts with, like, you want, you want to hit that? Are you trying to hit that? He's, like, 20 years older than her. No, thank you. Is he? I think so. He seems creepy enough to be. <laughs> Well, he's got to tell me what he does to moisturize, because the boy looks pretty good. Um, she's like, oh, but I already have a partner. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I think there's something you should know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and he leads Veronica to the car dealership, um, where she finds out that there are slot machines there from the casino that are... Uh, just borrowed. Well, by she Reggie. calls them stolen. He says they're borrowed. That's a very important dis- difference. Yeah, they they couldn't see my air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> but there was air quotes there. And so they have a big fight because Reggie cannot be honest. He is still projecting this tough guy persona. He can't talk about his real motivations in front of these three mafia men who are constantly playing poker in the car dealership 24 hours a day. They do nothing else. I don't think they even get up to pee. (laughs) So because he's not being honest, uh, she essentially puts her foot down and bars him from Babylonium. A business in which he is co-owner. And she also, when she's leaving, turns and says, and you are definitely barred from my bed. The most awkward way to dump someone. What? The the wording alone. Awful. Awful. No human being would say that out loud. See, what I wanted was old Reggie to come out in this moment and be like, that's fine. We don't got to do it in your bed. Yes. Yes. There's other places. Lots of places. Don't even need a place. <laughs> we will have sex in the void. <laughs> you know, you know, in the never ending story too, when the great nothing approaches, I've always wanted to get a blowjob in the great nothing. I would say a hand job, but then the rock biter is going to make me cry. Because they're two strong hands. I'm going to cry out because in pain. Not because of the biting? <laughs> He's a rock biter, not a dick biter. <laughs> so Dr. Curdle Jr.'s in this episode, and I'm a hap, hap, happy boy. Um, and so Dr. Curdle Jr.'s like, so, have you ever heard of something called SHC? And Betty has. She knows that stands for spontaneous human combustion. Uh, you know, he explains how it can happen. <laughs> He explains that it does happen. That's really all the explanation there is. Well, he's like, you know, maybe the gas gets uh, hot (laughs) in the intestines and just, like, explodes. Yeah. Yeah, Darius had some bad shrimp, and then he (laughs) caught fire and died. You know when you have food poisoning? That's what you're actually afraid of. And and he explains, you know, the the way it works in the the, uh, alleged cases thereof you know, is consistent with extremities like, say, uh, feet and ankles being left alone or uh, the chair that he was sat on being left unharmed. This is all normal for SHC. Very normal. As close to normal as it gets with SHC. 
Uh, so Betty tells Cheryl about this, and Cheryl freaks out, and Betty's just like, you know, there's stranger things that have happened in Riverdale. But Cheryl is afraid of spontaneous, contagious human combustion. <laughs> she thinks she's next. Well, Cheryl thinks she's next because she's had a fever and her temperature just keeps rising. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that she has worries. She has reasons to be worried. And Betty's like, you know what? I will stay here to keep an eye on you. You're going to be fine. So Betty is a, a high school teacher, FBI special agent, and uh, office manager, mm-hmm. and night nurse. Night nurse! I guess this is a volunteer position. It's, it doesn't really count as a third job. It's a temp role. Yeah. It's more like doing a salad for your cousin. Uh, so Archie is putting the ring up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it is the standard one he's always had. Only boxer alive to build his own ring for a professional boxing match. He's done a really good job considering he's the only person who can lift any of anything. Yeah, it does seem like it's at least a two-person job, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. okay, I'm going to hold this up. You screw that in place. Like, right, yeah, just for, like, the tension in the ropes alone, right? That's, mm-hmm. But he is interrupted by Percival coming. Oh, this scene. I love this scene. So Percival walks in and he's like, hey, Archie, I wonder if you could do me a solid. And this is when we first see him explicitly using his powers because like the the sound quality shifts and gets a little dreamlike. And mostly his voice just echoes through, you know, his victim's head as he's talking to Archie. And see, again, this makes me I uh, uh, wish we saw this with his previous cases. Yeah. Because I love the demeanor that he holds. He is still just as proper and as charming as always. Just like when he's commanding Archie to grab a box cutter and cut his own uh, uh, veins open. Uh, quote, I want to see your blood pouring over this lovely f- floor. Would you do that for me? It's so good! Well, and, like, everything he does is like, I'd like you to. Would you Mm -hmm, do mm -hmm. that for me? I'm asking you to do this. Would you help me? Mm -hmm. Anytime he does it is just this, like, that's that type of, like, evil hidden behind thing that... It's it's a very polite uh, domination, you know? It's the opposite of bless his heart as an insult, you know? Yes. Um, so he's doing this and like Archie does pick up the box cutter and he's putting it to his arm and he he is is you know pushing it in, but it breaks, and when it breaks, he looks up and he sees Fred's picture and that snaps him out of it. Yes. That his, anchor that Jug had talked about. His his papa tether. Uh Percival's like, ah, oh, that couldn't have happened. Let's try that again. And Archie's like, I don't think so. You took your shot and you missed. And Percival runs the fuck out like a scared little boy. Like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. No! It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar and he was like, fuck! Because I was taking notes, I missed Archie catching the Fred uh, photo in his eye. So I had a totally different read of the scene that I thought was really cool, yet is unfortunately incorrect. Oh, what did you think? I thought Archie was luring him in and allowing his mind to get whammied in order to demonstrate how he is invulnerable, and then uh, uh, found his anchor in order to really scare him. I thought this was uh, a like power play. Oh. And, and that would have been a really cool move for Archie to like lay that trap and demonstrate yeah. I've got your fucking number, but you don't have mine. Back off. Well, I th- I thought that he was playing along, actually, mm-hmm, until mm-hmm. 
it broke. He saw Fred's picture and then he's like, uh-uh. And then I was like, oh, we were actually being brainwashed. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, Percival books out. Uh, he goes to Veronica. Yeah, greener pastures. He's all like, oh, I'm so sorry you had to find out about Reginald like that. You know, I had a pretty shit night too. Quote, Reginald's betrayal. Seems pretty tame. He borrowed some machines that you weren't even using on the floor or else you would have noticed them not on the floor. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, it doesn't seem like you were really missing them if you didn't know. (laughs) But Percival's like, hey, have you been to the White Worm lately? Like, maybe that's another thing you should check out. He's just the ghost of Christmas manipulation, guiding Veronica around all of the other people and trying to suggest to her why she, she should be angry at them all the time. Uh, and so we go to the White Worm, and Tabitha and Tony are doing a number. They're they're singing Private Dancer, and there are a couple of dancers in skin tone bodysuits. Yes, <laughs> doing, with, with poles. Do, doing pole dance uh, acrobatics. And while they're performing, we look out to the crowd, and we see Percival there. With Veronica in her blonde fucking wig. She still has her disguise wig from season three. Aw. And she thinks she's fooling anyone. (laughs) They've all seen it. They've all seen it before. What? And she is so upset that this place that has had live music ever since she built it and performed a lot of live music there still has live music. How dare they? Uh, so meanwhile, over at Thornhill, uh, Cheryl is still burning up. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Betty says, you're literally on fire, but like not actually on fire. You're just burning like you're on fire. Um, and so they put Cheryl in the tub, fill it with a whole bunch of ice. Which they say she's literally boiling. As far as I can tell, she's not literally boiling. And so after a while, they take her temperature again and it's dropping, which is good. But I love these tender family moments they get. Yeah. Like... So, so rarely do we have characters caring for one another in, yes. in like, a physical, tangible way, that yes. is. Except for when Archie gets his ass kicked. Yes. That, that's the big exception. Yes. <laughs> and I really appreciate this. Well, and I'll say it goes even farther when it is, like, Betty and Cheryl. Yeah. Because they get so little time together. I mean, Cheryl gets so little time with anyone where she's not, like awful with them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that when they have these moments it's like oh yeah that's why i like cheryl yeah yeah she she has the capacity to you know transcend where she came from to to be a better self yes and like there's so much that pulls these two together it's a shame that the plots don't often do this yeah now that alice is off being a fucking uh uh picking zombie who is taking care of the twins no idea. it should be these two these two have a real vested interest in those those kids it would actually be really i think fun for them to have more interactions if it was even just between them like dropping the twins off at each other's house like okay Dropping them off for you to watch them this afternoon. Okay, remember, I'll bring them back over for the weekend. Remember, Juniper has practice at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've got it on the fridge. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That would actually be super fun. Uh, Betty's like, don't worry, Cheryl. There's a division at the FBI that uh-huh. specializes in these types of things. I'm going to reach out. And so I'm like, okay, okay, is it Fringe? Is it X-Files? Is it, is it X-Files? What is it? What are we going to call it? Okay. <laughs> Is it Agent Cooper? Is Coop coming? 
What's that? What's happening? I want to know. What's going on? Yeah, but by division, she just means Diane. Uh, Archie is filling Jughead in on how Percival tried to, you know, brainwash him and how his dad worked as a tether. And Jughead's like, okay, that's fine. You know, after you beat KO and the statue and, you know, you everything's going to work out. Say a little speech. It'll be fine. This is all fine. He's, he's very optimistic. Jughead's yes. very optimistic lately. He's, he made a good plan. He made an actual good plan. Yeah, yeah. It's not foolproof. There are risks involved, but he's right to be confident. Okay. Over at Pops, Pops takes the trash out mm-hmm. and sees a dude peeing in how, the alley. How dare you urinate, befoul the chocolate shoppy? How dare you? Banished. Banished from this town. And he's very disappointed. And Tony is doing a dance down in the basement. And Fangs comes in, and Fangs is very disappointed. He's very... The the first thing he sees after he gets released from jail for owning a lot of illegal weapons is this besmirchment of the serpent dance. Uh, Over at the casino, it is very quiet, which uh, Percival points out to Veronica. And he's like, you know, since Pops and the White Worm has declared war on us... And she's like, what do you mean, us? There's no us, you fucking asshole. And he's like, well, I'm just saying that, you know, we should firebomb the hell out of them. If a town, if a town does not have the fucking foot traffic to fill both a burger joint and a high-end fancy high-roller casino, maybe you shouldn't have a fancy high-roller casino in that town. Maybe. Maybe maybe get a second-dang restaurant. Maybe. But yeah, so he's like, let's firebomb them. And she's like, what the fuck did you just say? (laughs) Well, he didn't use his echo voice. That's why I said that I think he had brainwashed her previously and it like lingers. Mm. He doesn't have to like use the echoey voice every time. Like once he gets you, it lasts for a while. Okay, okay. And he can just suggest things and it happens. Which is why we haven't heard him consistently do it with Veronica. As long as it's not too far out of what they would want to do without it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's why, like, when he talks to Alice and, and, you know, Frank and everything, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we've never heard it before because that's all lingering things like he had talked to them previously. Okay. Okay. That's my thought. What if he can't control Veronica's brain because she may not have one? Uh, so Veronica tells him, uh, to get the fuck out, to leave, because she ain't fucking doing that. He's ridiculous. Uh, Pops goes to Tabitha and is like, this is going too far. Mm-hmm, there is mm-hmm. liquor in our family restaurant. He is aghast and, and truly, truly ashamed. And Fangs goes to Tony and is like, I just got out of jail and we are in a custody battle for our child. And you're doing this? What? It seemed like a totally fine dance to me. I don't know. I'll say it was kind of a boring dance. (laughs) It's kind of a boring dance. But I will say it's maybe not what you want to be doing when you're in a custody battle. But you got to live your life for you, not for the family court, man. I'm just saying there's like a lot of shit going on right now. I'm just saying that, you know, Percival is going to talk to the judge and you don't have a chance of winning. So you might as well live your dang life. They don't know that. I know that. I'm I'm with Tony on this one. You have your boring dance. 
So meanwhile, Reggie is at the car dealership, and the wise guys are all like, you're a free man! They love to give relationship advice. You're in charge of the future! It's so good that you're not with Veronica anymore, because she was trash! And he's like, what the fuck you say about her? All these guys who are clearly so lucky in love... That they hang out at a car dealership playing poker constantly. 24 hours a day? I wouldn't take advice from them, Reggie. They're not even doing the money laundering and the chop shoppery. They're just hanging out. So they just are like, yeah, let's like discuss our business practices more and maybe like have more partnerships. He just insulted you, Reggie. <laughs> Say no. So yeah, he just is like, yeah, okay, you, you can deal me in. And I think, oh, this is setting up for another one of Reggie's like great comfort behind victories that he's been having lately. No, I think this is the last time we see Reggie all week. Oh, yeah. We're not yeah. seeing him again. I mean, maybe that that shoe will fall in a later episode, but not this time. Uh, so K.O. is leaving Pops uh, when Percival stops him and is all like, Hey, I saw your bout uh, the other month against Hurricane Henry. At Madison Square Garden, which is a place where he's probably performed in concert. And, this uh, incredible crooner, this man. So Percival starts using his brain powers mm -hmm, with the mm -hmm. brain voice. Um, be like, hey, I want you to do me a favor. And what that favor ends up being... Well, we cut to commercial. And uh, during this commercial, I make a note my prediction of what the favor would be. To take a brutal, heinous fall that he, like, he gets injured in. So it paints Archie as this like brutal monster. Oh. This cruel savage that no one would look to as their folk hero. That's not what happens. No. No, instead he uh, tells K.O. to walk in front Just of traffic. walk into traffic. It's effective. It, it cancels the fight. He has to go to the hospital. He gets surgery. And, and, and so Archie rushes there. Jughead's already there at the hospital. Fills him in. And as they're talking, Percival calls them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, I hear that K.O.'s down for the count. Uh, uh, so you must need a new person. And Percival offers himself up because he was in boxing club at Cambridge. Is there anything this boy can't do? He can box. He can sing. He can garden. <laughs> he can dial a really old-timey phone. Yes, he can. They make a deal that if Archie wins, Percival will leave the town council. Yes. If Percival wins, Archie will put up the Pickens statue. Yes, the, the statue of my great-grandfather. So, okay, all right, let's do the math on that. His great-grandfather would be what, like 1900 or even World War One, if, like, they got quick in, in the generations? Mm-hmm. That seems way too recent for, I don't know, uh, uh, expelling the native population from the New York City metropolitan area. Well, wait, you said grandfather? Great-grandfather. Great-grandfather. Of a young man in, 19, in 2022. So, if Percival's 40. Percival's 40, he would have been born in uh, uh, 1982. If Let's he was... go with his dad being very old, okay? When he okay. Asked, like His dad was like... Also 40 when okay. Percival was born. First, all right. So the, then uh, we're talking about uh, uh, 1942 when his dad was born. Okay. So then his granddad... Was also 40. 40. <laughs> okay. When, when he had his, his child. So then he would have been born in uh, uh, 1902, which is when his great-grandfather would have been an active 
you know, prime of life, child rearing man. Yes, right around the turn of the century, far too late for expelling the native population of great uh, the greater New York City region. Yeah. Yes. So the way the Pickens. So Percival is just fuck old. <laughs> Okay, when I and said all he of was, his fathers before him. When I said he was an old dude and you're like, no, he looks young. Let's remember, he sucks the soul of the homeless. I said this. So, so he feeds on their life. Here's my theory. he stays young. Here's my theory. So the history of the indigenous people of Riverdale is that they uh, uh, were not expelled. There was, like, unceded land that they maintained against all odds, against all forces of history, up until around 1908. <laughs> and that is when General Pickens uh, uh, expelled them and uh, uh, through, again, horrific acts of historical murder and genocide. Okay, so Pickens was before Abigail's time? Pickens was after Abigail's after time, Abigail's which is why Abigail has to read up on them. And this, again, lines up more with him being, you know, post-witchy time in the early 20th century. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, they, they decide this is a great idea. Let's have this deal. We're going to do this thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Betty is meeting with Agent Drake from the special whatever of the FBI. The super cops. The, su the superpower cops. We don't want to name it. We're not nope. calling it any special division of anything. Not yet, anyway. But Agent Drake is one of them alternative FBI agents. She's not your daddy's super cop. She's cool. She's cool. She wears leather and she has greasy hair and she does a lot of gestures. I'm just kind of like, hey, Betty, if this special thing existed when Jughead was like freaking out about Mothman, why didn't you give him a call? <laughs> yeah, that was, let's recall, not long ago. You investigated UFOs and didn't get Agent Drake's number? Like, what the fuck? Um, so Agent Drake is like, you know, I don't think it's spontaneous human combustion i think it might be pyrokinesis yeah there is a pyromancer among us and i am on a hunt for all of charles xavier's gifted youngsters <laughs> and so agent drake's like you know i could like well so she's she explains it might be you know pyrokinesis and she's like you know you gotta like you gotta get the heat out get the heat out that's that's why people combust is because they can't figure out how to get the heat out and mm -hmm, betty's mm -hmm. like well how do you do that She's like, well, I can explain how it works if you want. And that's when I'm like, mm, are you like, you're just like a super fan or like, can you set stuff on fire too? It also seems like Asian Drake might be hitting on Betty a little bit. Or at least want Betty to think she's really cool and, and like trying to impress her. Yes. Perhaps for smooching purposes. It might be for smooching purposes. It might be. I feel like we're going to see more of Agent Drake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially if there's smooching purposes. Well, oh, Veronica, Tabitha, and Tony mm -hmm, have a mm -hmm. meetup. And they come to an agreement. The scene basically starts with them, you know, shaking hands and, and congratulating one another as a... Uh, uh, Percival looks on disapprovingly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so Tony and Tabitha, the, the TTs, walk out and Percival's like, hey, what the fuck? Hey, uh, real quick, though, what the fuck? What, 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 what's this? See, it turns out that Veronica independently uh, uh, 
discovered the the tether theory because her anchor is money and you cannot uh, uh, mind control her away from a a good co-promotion deal. Yes. So she's going to loan the white worm two slot machines uh, for 10% of what they bring in. Mm -hmm. And they're going to open a pops booth in the lobby of the casino uh, and split the profits with Tabitha. You know, it's just a great thing. And Percival's very unhappy about this. And it's like, you know, that Tabitha, Tabitha thinks of great ideas. And he's he's just like, yes. Ooh, she's a clever one. Ooh. That Tabitha. So we go check in on Betty and Cheryl. Yes. Cheryl has a 119 degree temperature. And rising. We get some insane numbers in this scene. And my favorite little detail in the whole scene is like, okay, Betty is giving Tabitha, Tabitha, Betty is giving Cheryl like the oral thermometer, like, you know, you're, you're uh, calling in sick to school. But uh, uh, but Nana Rose has the little little like infrared thermometer gun from across the room. So she can check her temperature without getting up. Like she's baking a cake. Yes. <laughs> Betty is trying to coach her through focusing on the logs in the fireplace and Mm -hmm, projecting mm -hmm. the heat onto them. And Cheryl's like, I can't do it. I can't even think straight. And she's like, well, if you don't, you, me, or your Nana are going to burst into flames. You got to fucking do this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is happening in parallel. This, uh, the, the fire starter sequence and the fight. It's fight night. Ding, ding. Here we go. Speaking of ding, ding, who's that on the bell? Mr. Guinness! Mr. Guinness is there. Mr. Guinness is there. Uh, you know, the, the whole ceremony is set for him to award Archie his official title as world's toughest man after he survives a fight with K.O. Kelly. Yes. He's apparently already won the title, but they're just waiting until after the fight because it's the perfect moment to give it. Yes. I guess. But that's not the only dual role here. We have Frank as the referee in the ring. Yes. We also have Sheriff Keller as Percival's uh, right-hand man and Jughead as Archie's. But he used to be Archie's corner man and boxing trainer. The betrayal cuts deep. It cuts so deep. Jughead's not the guy you want. He can't. He doesn't know boxing. No, but he's wearing a sweatshirt of the El Royale to be supportive. The one time I remember Jughead getting uh, in a fight, he was beaten nearly to death. Jughead got in a lot of fights. He's been beaten nearly to death a lot of times, too. Yeah, but he also beat other people up a lot. He did, he Especially did. when he has his brass knuckles. Well, yeah, stuff. those generally aren't allowed yeah. uh, as a boxing corner man. <laughs> Uh, so Percival tries to use his mind power tricks on Archie and is, like, doing the whole voice things, telling him to, like, lower his guard. But Archie thinks of his dad. We get uh, an actual montage of, like, archival Fred clips. Yes. Of some very significant and very touching moments, which lets Archie just, like, shake shake it off and be like, nah, brah, uh, we're, we're gonna have to actually fight. And so he punches Archie really, really, really fucking hard. A lot of times. And Archie, a lot of times. Archie bleeds a lot. A lot, a lot. And I would like to point out that at this point in my notes, I uh, question if he has palladium in his mitts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. Because that's the only thing that allows Archie to bleed right now. 
So, uh, there's sort of an intermission in this fight where we go over back to Thornhill and the, the pyromancy lesson where Betty is being more and more forceful. Burn the logs, burn the logs, burn the fucking logs, just burn the logs until Cheryl shouts, stop yelling at me. She's like, and then she's like, Cheryl, you are a phoenix rising out of the ashes. Your brother's corpse was baptized in fire. Your ancestors were burned by it. Burn those logs. And then she she grabs Penelope's photo, shoves it in the fire, and yells, burn her, burn your mother, set her on fire. (laughs) Quote, set her ass on fire. Oh, yeah, that was my photo, my phone autocorrected. Yeah. So I lost the ass. You lost the ass? It says, set her ass on fire. Oh, no. Phone, you betrayed me. Penelope submitted questions for an AMA, and now we're setting them on fire. Well, guess what? Yelling, set her ass on fire, it fucking works. Mm -hmm. Cheryl sets her ass on fire. Not her own ass, her mother's face. But, you know. Which is kind she's got an ass face. Uh, So, yes, the, the picture goes up in flames and the logs in the fireplace with it. And Nana can tell from her temperature gun that, that Cheryl's temperature is, is receding to a paltry 98.6. The and day she, is saved. And Cheryl passes out. As soon as the shock sets in that, yes, you murdered Darius in your sleep. You've killed again. Uh, so Archie is getting the shit beat out of him. And Jughead is trying to tell him to be done. And he's like, no, I got it. I can do it. I can do it one like, more time. He's lost fights before. He's taken beatings before. But I don't think he's ever lost this brutally. It's brutal. It's, it's They really had fun with the blood. They, they had a lot of fun with the blood and a lot of fun with like make, making Archie look weak. Like, again, whenever he's been beaten up or the rare times he's straight up lost fights, he's given it a good go, you know. But he forgot how to feel pain, apparently, and it's fucking with him real bad. He's he's just woozy, and even when he's not being pressured, he can barely stand. It's fucked up. It's hard to watch. And then Percival knocks him the fuck out with one more punch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why is Frank not stopping this fight? Frank, Frank, your your boy does not have his legs. This is your job. Because Frank wants to see his head busted in because he was brainwashed. To think he wants to see that. So so after the fight, Archie is getting his wounds treated. He's tearing off his gloves. He, he can't understand what happened. Betty also can't understand what happened. She's made it just in time for this moment after saving her cousin's life. When they're in the locker room with the bronze statue. Yes! It's the best part. The, the like, tragic irony of this big victorious statue looming over him larger than life. Ugh. Ugh. He got his ass beat so bad, Mr. Guinness went home and took his medal away. And, and so Archie explains, like, you know, I was feeling his punches. I bled. Like, could he have gotten a hold of palladium? How? How could he have gotten a hold of that thing that we mine here? There's a giant open pit of it. And they're all like, oh, well, the only pieces we knew of, like, we locked them away. He couldn't have gotten a hold of them. And Again, so- that stuff that we mine that just, like, randomly shows up places in this town. But uh, uh, they open up the lockbox in the office, and and it's empty. Happy Easter. The stone was missing. <laughs> yeah, they, they check it out. It's missing, and they're like, oh my god, the palladium's gone. 
Mm-hmm. And so then we go pull. So they have to wonder wh- how how could he possibly know who told him? Only we know my super weakness. Is he working with BTK? They don't ask that, but they should. Um, I would just like to point out, I totally called it. I was right. It's in the gloves. It's in the it gloves. Was, it, was, is... it was in the gloves because in the next scene, you know, we go to we go to uh, our good buddy Percival who's dumping palladium out of his gloves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and looking at his little notebook that says Archie invulnerable weakness palladium. And what we find out is that he uh, brainwashed Alice to let him into Betty's room, and then when- got Betty. To tell him everything yes. by using his brain powers. Betty woke up all woozy and unprepared to defend herself, and he gave her the brain whammy, including the instruction that, and when I leave, you'll forget all of this ever happened. Da, da, da. So yes, he's been pumping Betty uh, uh, for all the information he can on the, the various super friends of Riverdale. But, but one must ask the question, is Betty tetherless? Does she have no anchor? Oh. Keller comes in and is like, hey! Your statue's up. So they decide to go have a stroll to look at the statue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where, meanwhile, Cheryl is staring down Abigail the doll. Putting that doll back in its place. Using her fire powers to light some candles and then read her book, Firestarter. Of course she's reading Firestarter. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is, like, a promotional tie-in with the, the new Firestarter movie coming soon from Bloomhouse. Oh. Yeah. And so as Percival, Frank, and Keller look at the statue, Percival's like, Tabitha Tate is not long for this new world we are creating. Yeah, of course Tabitha's next. Obviously, obviously, obviously. And that is the end of the episode. Bum, bum, bum. So, Dallin, what did you think of chapter 105, Folk Heroes? I called it Palladium in the fucking gloves. I was right. Congratulations. Fuck yeah. Don't you want to see Zac Efron in a in a scary brain fire movie? I mean, I kind of want to see Zac Efron in everything. Yeah. He's great. Had to be at a work thing today. Yeah. And I started, uh, well, it was our stupid thing with the introductions where they were like, pick a word. Yeah. And one of my coworkers was like, I'm just going to write fabulous. Because like, what the fuck? I'm fabulous. <laughs> uh, so then I was like, fabulous. From High School Musical. Mm-hmm. And like, they didn't get it because they're all too old. But in this episode, but the someone that's across from me totally got it. Well, in this episode, someone did uh, uh, tell someone else to get the get your head in the game. I believe it was Betty to game. Cheryl. Yeah. So there's a lot of High School Musical going on today in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I got we we bonded over how um, great the scene is in the golf course when he slaps the water mm-hmm. and just made again the other people very confused because they're old. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, what are you talking about? But that's High School Musical 2. That's for a different time. Yes, this is true. What did you think of this episode? I really enjoyed this episode, and what I enjoyed about it is because there are two cases of a pair of characters supporting each other and working together for... I mean, I suppose three. Three cases of a pairs of characters working together and supporting one another in their goals. Yes. I enjoyed uh, uh, the Betty-Cheryl dynamic a lot. I thought they had actual tender, caring moments. Yeah. I loved uh, uh, Jughead coming up with this big brain plan and having it snatched away from him at the last moment. Like, him just freaking out and, like, begging Archie to stay down for his own sake, even at the cost of his own plan Mm -hmm. in the fight. 
great moment. And also, you know, uh, uh, Tabitha and, and uh, Tony working together, although they seem to do that a lot. It's less special. Because yeah, as it's, people it's, who both run businesses out of the same building, it kind of happens a lot. Well, and they've been on the town <laughs> council together, and like yeah, they've, yeah. they've been pushed together a lot more because mm-hmm. we've been partnered. The others have been partnered up in other ways. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying it's like. Oh, I'm just saying it's not a treat like the other two. Yeah, were, you know. I am hoping that this new partnership between them and Veronica allows Veronica to be included with other yes. groups more because she's been so segregated. She's just been off like a- as an island only tethered by like the Reggie Peninsula to everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I want her to get involved in like other storylines again. Much like Cheryl has been for many stretches yes. of, over the history of the show and you know Wish it didn't happen all those times either. Always waiting for her to be brought back in. And it's nice. It's nice to have them together. It's nice to have those friendships and to to see the stuff that, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, makes you like the characters. And and Yeah, I I was just thinking about the show, you know, in my day-to-day life over the last week and about how in the high school years... Whenever, you know, our main characters would be split up in four to six different plots in a given week, you never really doubted that they were still friends. They just weren't being allowed time to be friends, and that's frustrating. Mm -hmm. But now, post-time skip in adult times, I'm not as sure that they are friends. They're just people that have memories of when they used to be friends. I'm a kind of sad thing, but is it like... That different from actual adult life, though? Like, you still have your friends, but, like, you will go six months without seeing that person or talking to that person (laughs) until there's something that happens that you're suddenly hanging out again. Often a birthday. Usually a birthday, (laughs) or the weather's nice, they get a dog, I don't know, but it has to be different. Hey, Clint. Doesn't mean I have to like it, I want to touch your dog. Clint, let me touch your dog. Also, your cat. It's been a long time since I touched your cat. <laughs> She's very sweet. I like her a lot. <laughs> She's very sweet. But doesn't mean I have to like it, but that is kind of a reflection of adult mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. Is that... Yeah. I, I, when I brought up this point, like, the thought I was having wasn't that, like, a judgment, like, oh, bleh. It's just like, yeah, it's a different vibe because it's one of the most adult-feeling things about the show now. Yeah. 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 Although I do like the episodes better when they have reasons to, like be friendly and and combine in in new and and well there is no such thing as a new pairing after 105 episodes but you know ones we haven't seen in a month or two yeah 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 so darling do you have any predictions uh i think betty will find her tether her anchor it will be jughead and it will cause many relationship drama oh yeah yes yeah like in in the beginning of the episode uh, when they're talking about this theory, she's throwing out like, oh, mine could be my mom or Polly. And like, yeah, maybe. But what if it's Jughead? It's going to be Jughead. It's totally going to be Jughead. Because when she was woken out of bed, if she was trying, she failed. That's all I'm going to say. So Agent Drake. Agent Drake. Agent. This is not the only time we will see Agent Drake. The biker of the FBI. <laughs> Agent Drake, let's remember, works for the special division the division that, though we don't know what it's called, knows about superpower-ish things mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. aliens and whatnot. And man, I wonder if she's going to be interested 
in three other people who have some superpowers in this town. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perhaps four people. Maybe, yes. maybe her team is uh, uh, instrumental in whatever happens to Pickens in the end. Yes. Yeah. So she's either going to be helpful in helping them take down Pickens, or she's going to, like, abduct oh, Jughead or something. Yeah, you, you think they're going to put, like, Betty in surgery to find out what part of her brain sees auras? Something like yeah, that. They're going to want to, like, up. do some investigations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that Percival is carrying out uh, uh, and fulfilling General Pickens' dreams that he never could. And he's, like, getting his marching orders from General Pickens' old-timey diary. Mm. And is probably something about, like, ley lines or some some mystic geographies. Okay. That makes the land of Riverdale very important. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so his curiosity shop. Yes! Oh, I can't wait to see this set. Are when, we gonna get a new set? Who who could say? When he opens it, it's gonna be filled with lots of fucking jars mm-hmm. of, you know, humans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. body parts. But there's also gonna be, like, I don't know if it'll be miniature people or whatever. Like, but there's gonna be things that it's gonna, you know how I said, like, he sucks the soul out of the people. And yeah, they yeah, disappear. Yeah. Well, it's because they're not in the jars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not only sucks the souls, he, like, turns them into oddities. So, yeah, when he sucks your soul, you, you like, shrivel you down. shrivel down, and then he shoves you in a jar. And he sticks you in a jar. Yeah. And he fills out whole rows, like, uh... That movie we watched? Yeah, but I'm trying... I can't remember the actor's name. His real name is not Norman Osborn. That's his character. <laughs> he played Jesus Christ, and you saw his bits. Last Temptation of Christ, yes. Oh, I haven't ever watched that. <laughs> oh, I don't know Jesus's bits. I try not to get that formal with they, Jesus. They were prodigious. Oh my! Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. I didn't know William Dafoe was in that. In Last Temptation of Christ? No. He's the title character <laughs> who got even... Last Temptation. I don't know. I really thought it was someone else. It shows how much I pay attention to things that involve Jesus. They're not singing. I don't care. Also, well before you were born. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yes, like Willem Dafoe in in, uh, uh, Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Long road to go just to remember Willem Dafoe's (laughs) name. (laughs) All because of his junk. You're trying to remember. Prodigious! (laughs) All right, my prediction is about the defeat... The final end of Percival Pickens and his nefarious scheming. He will be defeated by the twins. Oh. And their even stronger brain powers. He, he is more powerful than either of them individually, but they will form a feedback loop within their brains that cracks his puny mind. Oh. And they'll, they'll like, start floating and glowing out of their eyeballs. Do you think... Okay, I guess this is kind of a prediction slash question. Do you think that... Cheryl will now embrace the twins in her in like training them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because well if I have this in my blood obviously you do too yes, yes and that's when we finally get the babies like hovering and whatnot again and the like Cheryl will be like trying to give them the the like lead them step by step to the awakening and they'll be like oh do you mean this and they'll just like lift a chair with their brain or yeah. whatever yeah. Definitely. And she'll be shocked at, at their incredible advanced abilities. Yeah. Predictions predicted. 
Mm-hmm. Now it is time to talk about next week's episode of Chapter 106, Angels in America. Perhaps the first Riverdale episode named for a play? Yeah, it was also a miniseries, though, so they they kind of get a pass in if, that way. But If you have HBO Max, you owe it to yourself to watch the yes. Angels in America miniseries. It is so fucking good. If you have a library that has, you know, a printed copy of the, the play, you owe it to yourself to read it. It's so fucking good. I mean, Harper's monologue about the souls rising up to be the ozone layer. Mormons can give blowjobs. Just going to Antarctica for a while. Also, scenes that don't have Harper in them exist in this show. Yes. <laughs> I'm let, very Harper-focused today. Let, let me just say, there's this wonderful era of American theater that just has to do with, like, angels and, like, the destruction of the world. And it's great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Angels in America is one of them. Just absolutely foundational. It's so good. So foundational Definitely spent a whole semester in college doing Angels in America and Marisol, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. the other Angels Revolting Against God type thing. I'm sure there's plenty. There's probably more. Uh, it's so good. The Campaign Skyjacks podcast, uh, Paradise Lost. There's a lot of Angels Revolting Against God. Yes. It's so good, though. And I was really, really, really excited to see this as a title. And I was like, oh man, shit's gonna go down. There's gonna be fucking angels. There's gonna be angel sex. There's gonna be like the heavens opening up. It's gonna be the like apocalypse. <laughs> no. There's there's gonna be Jeffrey Wright. I love Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> what I've learned from this trailer is I am getting none of this. You know, you know that kind of ill-advised Doctor Who episode where they went back to see Rosa Parks? And they had to save the day by doing racism. Yep. What if Tabitha did that? What if Tabitha time <laughs> travels? What if Tabitha time travels to civil rights uh, era, like late 1960s uh, Riverdale, and meets her grandpa as a young man? What if not? What if we don't do that? What if we don't, and what if we have... Angel sex. The first, the first shot of the trailer is a slow pan through like props and bric-a-brac in what I presume is Pop's chocolate shop, and the first thing you see is a framed photo of Dr. King. That's what Riverdale's doing next week. We could have done angel sex. We could have. We could have. Now, now thinking about the title and the plot as inspired by the, the trailer, I do have a thought. Yes. This could be part of the the angel from Rivervale leaking into Riverdale. Oh. And Tabitha has to learn something about the history of the chocolate shop oh. to explain its fate as the the location of the final battle between good and evil. So that would that would be interesting if it is like this Rivervale bleed over thing cuz I was trying to think like okay, is she now getting superpowers too that are like oh, time, time travel powers? Is like the the superpowers just kind of like bleeding through the town and more and more people will get them or is it something like that with Rivervale mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like we all we know we know how Riverdale is at handling anything serious well intentioned yep but there the thing that doesn't work is that Riverdale is so over the top so melodramatic so cranked to 11 mm-hmm. that when it's being frivolous, 
it owns. You love it. You can't get enough of, you know, set your mom's ass on fire to to save yourself from <laughs> from your your baby pyromancy powers. Love it. Perfect. But when it tries to bring that same energy to say, I don't know, uh uh the <laughs> the troubles of the unhoused. Yeah. It don't work. It don't, don't work. work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, I mean, the last time this show tried to handle issues of race in contemporary America, it ended with, let's put everybody on a bus to go hunt for voodoo murders. Yes. <laughs> I would still watch that spinoff, though. I'm just saying. Much more interested now. I want to know what Sweet Pea's up to with Josie. What are they doing? Every week, one of them gets chained up in a basement, and the other breaks down the door to rescue them. It's it's the conceit of the show. Every other, it, they never break the cycle. I want to watch it. Okay, <laughs> like I I have given up on any other spinoff shit that they've done with Riverdale, but this I will come for. Mm-hmm. I will I will come back for. I want to be there. I want to watch it. Okay, Doctor Curdle Junior web series. God, I, if it, anything with Dr. Curdle Jr., I will be there. It's I will just be there. Him speaking directly to camera about, you know, the issues of the day, the headlines, how he, he sees his, you know, twisted view of the world, uh, homebrew beer tips. I was going to say it would be um, one of those, like... Album reviews. No, it'd be like a fan account, though, for, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Josie and the Pussycat updates, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. he's just doing, I like... I mean, that's a segment every week. No, it's like every day. It's like, okay, I'm reposting <laughs> the pictures. I'm uh, con- doing like going live to explain thoughts on like their next tour stop and why they had their playlist in that order. I want to see Dr. Curl Jr.'s model train village. I don't think he has model train I think he has a model train village. Nah. Okay, maybe. But he has to make everything from scratch. Like well, he makes yeah, it all yeah. himself. He and it's Halloween all year round. Yeah. Okay. It's like Beetlejuice train yard. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's fine. I'll allow that. So thank you all for joining us yet again on our 105th regular episode. My goodness gracious. Goodness. But darling, before we go, I'd like to ask you a question. What's up? Have you ever paid to, to advertise this show anywhere? No. I haven't either. And I doubt anybody here has on our behalf. They probably would have told us if they had. What I mean to say is, the only way people find out about us is if if somebody tells them we exist. Yes. So tell your friends. Tell your family. Leave us a rating and a review. I don't know, retweet our tweets on Twitter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These are all ways that you can help tell people. You can also trick computers into telling them. Uh, Algorithmical boosting is a powerful tool as well. And one of the ways you can help that happen is with five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yes. It's the kind the computer thinks is tasty. It's in its little digital belly. Yep. So only five stars. That's all you're allowed. (laughs) So with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie... Burn your mother. Burn your mother.